listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled My People. Hello my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me today for another presentation in the Give Me the Bible series. When I was a child, I lived on a mixed farm. This was not a dryland farm because we lived near the River Murray between Manham and Swan Reach at a small village known as Wangulla. Because we were able to pump water from the river, in addition to raising sheep and growing cereals such as wheat and barley, we had fruit orchards, grew vegetables for sale in the city markets, and had dairy cattle. Our farm consisted of land that reached right up to the water's edge, river flats with rich clay soil, and highland which was flat and suitable for cereal growing. There was much variety in all the farm activities, and there were different zones on the farm. I consider my childhood to be exciting and interesting. Fishing, boating, driving the tractor, and being involved in all the activities kept my young body and mind from ever getting bored. There was no stranger danger, and as a child I could play, construct, explore, and generally had a lot of freedom. My parents were not worried about where I was, because they knew I would be outside somewhere doing kid stuff. But especially when it was time for tea, that is, our evening meal, my mother would go outside and call in a loud voice, Time for tea! She, personally, or sometimes, one of my siblings would call us in. But that call was also a call for us to come out from the place we were before moving from one zone to the zone of being inside the house. You see, a call to come in is also a call to come out. It's a call to leave one place and come to a different place. And that's what we'll be discussing today. In the last book of the Bible, chapter 18, the first four verses read as follows. I, the prophet John, saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home of demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of earth have committed adultery with her, 
and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. So here the prophet John was shown a situation where there were all kinds of evil and where many excesses exist. It's called Babylon. The first angel denounces Babylon and pronounces that it is doomed and fallen or collapsed, if you like. The second voice announces an urgent invitation for people to come out of Babylon, otherwise they will suffer the same fate as those who remain in Babylon. Most Bible scholars are agreed that Babylon is a religious system combined with worldliness, corruption, deceit and greed are its hallmarks. Not only that, it is something that became or becomes accepted by major world powers. Because the call goes out for God's people to come out, to separate themselves, it is fairly obvious that Babylon stands in opposition to what God stands for, purity goodness and righteousness. Before revealing the identity of this Babylon, I want to share with you something from the Old Testament that is a type or example or similarity that may help us to better understand what Revelation 18 is referring to. In the book of Genesis, chapters 18 and 19, is recorded the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. These two cities were very evil places. Homosexuality was rife and human rights barely existed. In one of the cities, Sodom, lived a righteous man, Lot, the nephew of Abraham, and Lot lived with his wife and two daughters. Sodom and Gomorrah were such wicked places that the Lord decided they must be destroyed, but Abraham pleaded that the city should not be destroyed for the sake of the righteous people who lived there. Abraham bargained with the Lord and asked the Lord if he would be prepared to put off the destruction if fifty righteous people were found there. The Lord agreed, but unfortunately not even fifty righteous people lived there. The bargaining continued, and the number came down to even if there were only ten righteous people, God would not destroy the city. But there were not even ten. Lot and his wife and two daughters were the only righteous people. They were told to flee, 
to get out of the city before it was destroyed. So they left as quickly as they could. As they were escaping, fire came down from heaven and the whole area was devastated by fire and brimstone. In case you're wondering what's happened since, that area is a wasteland to this very day. I've seen pictures of it and have spoken to an archaeologist who's been there and who provided evidence of the complete destruction by fire of that area. Lot and his family were told to get out. But the text in Revelation is cannily similar. God's people are called to come out. So then, what is Babylon? Bible scholars identify Babylon as depicted in Revelation as Rome. Rome in a metaphorical sense. Rome really refers to the Church of Rome or the Roman Church. In a broader sense, Babylon then refers to a corrupt religious system headed by the Roman Church and any other church in league with the Roman Church. The Roman Catholic religious organisation is the one that places higher authority on its traditions than on God's word, the Bible. This religious organisation also has the audacity to claim that its leader, the Pope, is as God on earth. This religious organisation is one well known to be saturated with vice and corruption. This religious organisation is the one that has changed God's commandments and put into place another day of worship different to that which God specified. This is the religious organisation that believes and promotes the doctrine of eternal torment of the wicked in an ever-burning hell. This is the religious organisation that teaches and promotes the doctrine that when someone dies, they don't really die, but instead continue living in another place, in another form. This is the religious organisation that has hidden the truth of the Bible, has hindered enlightenment, suppressed knowledge, and makes huge amounts of money through superstitious practices. This is the religious organisation that claims to have the keys to the kingdom, and unless you belong to it, supposedly, you can never have eternal life. This is the religious organisation that claims that it alone is the go-between between mankind and God, and that sinful man may only reach God through it. This is the religious organisation that teaches that salvation is obtained by works, 
by performing certain rituals and, of course, paying money. This religious organisation has had a major influence in shaping the beliefs of multi-millions of people, past and present. It's a sad fact that many Protestant church organisations, particularly evangelical Protestants, are falling over themselves in an effort to reunite with the Roman Church. It's a sad fact that protest amongst many Protestants has declined to a whimper, and with some there is no protest at all. It's a sad fact that an increasing number of Protestant churches have accepted or are in the process of accepting the Pope as their religious head. And it's a sad fact that many Protestants have compromised their Bible-based beliefs and doctrines and are willing, for the sake of unity, to put aside what has previously defined them as Protestants. In recent times, such Protestant leaders as James Dobson, Benny Hinn, Tony Campolo, Kenneth Copeland and even Billy Graham have made friends with the Roman Church. It seems that the whole world has become fascinated with error and wants to be part of it or aligned with this previously defined corrupt religious organisation. No doubt much pressure has been put on people to conform to the Roman Church's demands. You've probably heard of that Church's call to people to come home to Rome. We're going to stop here and have a little break and go on straight afterwards. I remember them so clearly Mom and Dad loved them so dearly Old Brush Arbor's by the side of the road Where I learned about salvation From the book of Revelations In an arbor by the side of the road Sharbers by the side of the road Where a sinner could lay down his heavy load It was in those old brush harbors Troubled souls found peaceful harbors Brush harbors by the side of the road Many times I have departed From the way of life I started In an arbor by the side of the road But each time the devils caught me 
I've remembered what they taught me In brush arbors by the side of the road All brush arbors by the side of the road Where the mighty light of God's great mercy glowed There was praying, shouting, singing Side was ringing, brush arbors by the side of the road. Oh, brush arbors by the side of the road. Just before the break, I was identifying from what many religious scholars have had to say what is Babylon and at the moment in this day and age there is a push for Protestants to abandon their position and join the Roman Catholics and there are many pressures placed on the Protestant church one of them is name calling you may have heard of the influential Bishop Tony Palmer and he said that Protestants who refuse to partner with the Roman Church are spiritual racists. Tony Palmer is now dead but nevertheless what he said has been quite influential. And there is a push for a new world order, a topic we've dealt with in a previous Give Me the Bible program, where the Pope is expected to be acclaimed as the world's religious and political leader. In this new world order, all religions will be joined together, and the enemy of the world will be considered to be those who will not bow down to the image of the Pope, and who will not obey papal commands. The enemy will be those who are marked by Christ, not the Antichrist. Yet, within the Roman Church and all its affiliates, there are good people, people who are honest and true, people who have a heart for God, people who are called up, caught up in false worship, yet who desire purity and a personal relationship with God. It is to these people God makes the call, come out of her, my people. Just as God called Lot and his family out of Sodom, God is making a call for people in these modern times to come out of modern Babylon, that system of false worship that system where the word of God has been put aside and in its place the thoughts and ideas of man have been established. God's call goes out to both Catholics and Protestants, plus those who have no religious affiliation. It is a call to cease being part of false worship and at the same time, it's a call to worship God 
and to obey him. Maybe you have been troubled about some of what, if you are a church attender, that you hear in church. And if you're not a church attender, you might be troubled about what you're hearing is happening in the religious world. If so, it is to you that God is calling. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 28, Jesus offers this invitation. If you're weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. And there is another call found in Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door of his heart, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Amongst some of my Protestant friends, there are people who've been influenced by many years of Roman Catholic teaching. Some of these people have no idea where the concepts that they have learned originated from. Yet, because they've been taught that way, they accept those false ideas. Some Protestants are regular church attenders and yet know so little about the Word of God that it's pitiful. They never read the Bible and are therefore unable to discern what is error and what is truth. Take, for example, Sunday worship. The Roman church version of why people should worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, is in celebration of Christ's resurrection on that day. Now, I've read the document, Deus Domini, the Day of the Lord, presented to the world by Pope John Paul II, and there it affirms that Sunday should be the day of worship. But that is in contradiction to what God said. God commanded that we should remember to worship, to keep holy, the seventh day of the week, Saturday. God said that when someone sins, they will be subject to death. But many, many people have been fed a lie that death is not the end. But instead, it's the beginning of a new existence. Again, hordes of people have swallowed another lie, that there will be an ever-burning hell where the wicked will be punished eternally. Whereas Jesus clearly said, the wicked will perish. And you can read it for yourself in John 3.16, the Bible's most famous text. My friends, we are surrounded with misinformation and we live in the midst of it. But God calls us to come out of the murk and come into the clear, pure light that he is and what he reveals. And I want to say this to you today. If you know what is right, do it. Do it regardless of the consequences. It is better to remain true to your conscience than to live with uneasy guilt. For example, if you know it's right to keep God's day of rest, 
Keep it. God's call is to you. Come out of her, that's Babylon, my people, so that you will not be partakers of her sins. Please think seriously about what I've shared with you today. Make your decision to serve only God and do what he requires of you. If you do, God will reward you with eternal life. But if you reject his call, you will have no future at all. Unfortunately, we must stop. Until next time, I wish you peace and blessings and joy, plus a determination to faithfully serve God wherever that decision may take you. Will find a safe.
is for 